Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning. What a great day uh, in North America, U.S., Canada, and the rest of the world. Kids are back to school. Everybody's happy. Traffic is a big jam. Uh, but it's a great summer day still in Calgary, so we are blessed with that. Uh, I know winter is coming soon. I see the uh, yellow leaves, uh, and I'm just, you know, my thoughts are somewhere else. Uh, we're glad to be back with you today with our uh, weekly uh, episode of Taking Care of Business. It was three weeks ago that I shared with you uh, what I believe are the important topics of uh, any person wanting to become and start his, her, their company or as entrepreneurs. And last week, our guest was Ken Larson, uh, head coach and president of Champion uh, Performance Systems. Ken, for many years, was my tech group chair and my business coach. And during his interview, he did mention our work together. So what happened is, following the last episode uh, and Ken's comments about our work together as a coach and and, and me as a business owner, Cassandra, uh, my production assistant and recently my co-host, had more questions for me about my good experiences as an entrepreneur, as well as, as, well as some of her mistakes. She, uh, she asked me what, what I thought were mistakes I've done along the, uh, this long journey. So uh, we decided that Cassandra will ask me her questions today in our episode, and I promise to answer all the questions without the option to plead the Fifth Amendment. So, Cassandra, are you willing, able, and ready to take care of this show? I guess I have no choice in the matter this morning. Go ahead. (laughs) Cassandra, take it from here. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, First and full disclosure, I joined Barclay Straight Real Estate about three years ago, and I'm looking forward to actually sitting down and interviewing my boss again for the second time. Uh, (laughs) He's the president and the majority shareholder at our company. um, And since this is a, well, I guess a second time opportunity now, um, I'll try and make David answer all the questions, even if he feels a little uncomfortable with some of my questions. Um, this is the advantage of obviously being live broadcast. So, David, since you started this weekly show, Taking Care of Business, you've interviewed over 20 entrepreneurs and business owners from the food industry, real estate, IT world, etc., as well um, some of your guests were business, life, and professional coaches. Uh, you asked them about their mistakes and successes along the journey, and you also share what you believe is important. Today, we expect you to answer some questions you ask others. So, are you all right with that? I'm always ready, and uh, you know, the good thing that uh, we have a calendar, and in 10 days, uh, it's payday. So, <laughs> go ahead, ask me whatever you want. All right, well, I'll start off nice and easily then. Um, you always mention in interviews, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact you didn't go to university, or to be precise, the way you say it, you did go for three days. Now, in hindsight, was it the right decision to leave after three days? Well, uh, it's a little bit of a complicated uh, answer or question. <laughs> it wasn't. Let me start. It wasn't a good decision to leave university. Um, uh, it was a, a moment decision, and um, I didn't understand the consequences at the time. I was young. Uh, I don't want to say young and stupid, uh, but I was young and I didn't think 
you know, more than a comfortable moment. Uh, and that's why I uh, kind of uh, decided this is not for me. Um, I don't want to do it. I don't want to sit and, uh, and study for four years. I prefer to go to work. So in hindsight today, I can tell you that it was a mistake. Along the way, after I uh, got a, like my first or, or second job uh, or jobs, um, I know that in a few interviews that I had for higher positions, uh, all the check marks were good except of this one. And I know for a fact that on two jobs that the doors were closed in front of me just because they couldn't check mark in the 80s, late 80s, um, that I have a university degree for that job. So, yeah, it wasn't. And, and you know, um, I'll tell you uh, a family secret. My, my middle son, he wanted to follow my way and he wanted to drop from school in the middle of uh, his uh, uh bachelor's degree and I had a long and hard discussion with him about my mistakes and I'm happy to say that he finished his bachelor's degree and he starts today his master's at UBC so (laughs) my discussions were fruitful. (laughs) Well that's good, congratulations. So do you think that not actually going to university is what drove you to start your own business? Um, You know it's it's uh, mix of things um one one of them is yes the fact that doors were closed in front of your face um kind of you get insulted uh you get motivated um and and nobody in my family uh, was or is an entrepreneur Um, i was the first one to start a business i remember when i told my dad that i'm starting my business he called me three weeks later said i didn't sleep for three weeks and I explained to him I didn't sleep three weeks before I made the decision. Um, so university is one, but it, it's kind of a, a, a few things together. It's it's my my ADD, my impatience to kind of sit in one office. It's the struggle you have in some offices that uh, you don't you don't appreciate how you're being treated by your boss, or or you have to you know sharpen your elbows to make advancement, and other people are sharpening their elbows. So. It's all together. No doubt that um, I remember it's especially one job offer that uh, I was one of the last two candidates. And I don't know if that was the reason, but that was the reason that was told to me that it's because I don't have the university degree. I can't get it. It was just, okay, I need to do something else with my life. Fair enough. Do you think that not going to university or not holding a degree has any effect on your hiring process at all? Uh, You know, uh, there is a phrase uh, that don't do to your friends what you don't like people to do to you. So a few years ago, um, we had a meeting here in this office when we were a partnership with eight partners. And we talked about criterias of um, how to hire people. And one of the partners at the time around the table said, they must have a university degree. And I was already the president and the broker of the company. So my question to, to them was, so am I out? And they go, what do you mean? And I explained, well, I didn't go to university. I don't have a degree. So according to you, I have to, leave, to resign now and leave the company. Where I'm going with this is I, when I hire, Especially in our organization, which is a sales organization, um, I don't care if you have a university degree or not. I care about your character. I care if you have the drive and the motivation to be a successful uh, 
you know, employee, co-workers, salesperson. Um, where do you have university? I, we had a lot of university graduate here that had no clue how to sell, had no idea what life is all about, but they have a degree. So for me, it makes no difference where you come from, uh, where do you have a degree or not. Um, does it have to do with what I had to go through? Maybe. I can't, you know, someone else can analyze me. <laughs> um, I don't have a shrink yet, but if I have, I'll ask him the question or her. <laughs> Get that sorted. <laughs> so when did you finally decide to actually start your own business and what was the reason behind that? So my first uh, business I started in 1990. Um, I remember it was April 1990. And, and part of the reason, um, as I mentioned earlier, it was a company that I worked that I really enjoyed the, the job. Uh, I, was, I was life insurance supervisor in a, a life insurance company back in Israel. <laughs> before we immigrated, and I really liked the job. Um, I really liked the uh, dealing with the uh, life insurance uh, brokers that I was responsible for. I was traveling a lot with them, so that I enjoyed the job. What I didn't enjoy is the culture in our office. Um, the culture in our office was that, you know, you in order to advance, you had to talk behind someone's back, and you had to smear someone else to get moving forward, and, um, you know, we, our boss at the time, because um, we were two or three of us as a supervisor, our boss at the time uh, didn't give us any credit. He took the credit all to himself. And, and and his boss was talking behind his back with us. So that's not an atmosphere I wanted to work with uh, in. And um, so I made a decision with one of the other guys that we we're going to leave and open our uh, own insurance brokerage. So that was... Uh, 27 years ago, over 27 years ago. That's quite some time. Um, so, you've already answered my next question then, what your first business was. So, were there any mistakes in creating your first partnership at all? Or? Uh, yes. Um, you know, it's a mistake that I've done uh, probably twice. Uh, the first time was uh, when we opened an insurance brokerage. Um and, and I guess I, I made two mistakes in that one. One is um, we wanted to leave so fast where we were, so I didn't think about the right structure. Um, and, and you know, uh, when you when you rush yourself, devil is kind of looking at you and go, oh, okay, perfect, he's doing a mistake, that I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and the other mistake I did is um, I didn't, go deep to look what my partner can bring to the table at that time. Um, as I said, we work together. So when you work together and you compete and you all you both have two different teams and but you cooperate and collaborate inter internally on information, it's all nice and dandy. But when you go on your own and you have to start selling and you have to start doing the day-to-day -day work of a, of a salesperson, um, that's what I missed. I didn't think, what happened is he was leaning on me to do all the sales and bring all my clients and bring all my friends and bring all my family and bring all everybody I knew to the table to, so we can uh, ensure them. Um, and at a certain point I realized, um, well, if he is not putting his weight, why do we need a partnership? Why do I have to split everything 50-50? 
Um, and uh, as a result, uh, I told one day, I, he kind of, you know, he said something wrong. <laughs> and uh, it uh, created uh, kind of a, a week that I was really mad. And then I told him, you know what, let's break it. And I paid him half of, you know, the equipment, whatever. It just I said, just leave. I'll, I'll take the, the space. So these are the two mistakes is I rushed into it and I wrong, I, I chose the wrong, uh, I didn't check the partner whether it's the right or the wrong partner. Which makes sense. Now, were there any positive lessons that you took from this whole situation? I think the positive that I took is, um, you know, when you start your own business, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, uh, and, you know, my father was not helping uh, him. Uh, was he, he never was an entrepreneur, always worked for, and he was like, so how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to pay your bills? Do you have money for food? So the good experience was that, yeah, I did make money, and I started making money, and I had good clientele which later I found out was really good client to, to be a good, very good clientele. So, and, and my relationship with people, um, people say I'm a relationship guy. And then that's where I kind of, I really kind of, you know, it's different when you come as a supervisor and you don't have anything to do with the client, just with your, uh, the broker that you work with. You come kind of as a guest and there's a difference between that and then when you own, when you sell, right? When you have, really have to get them to sign the dotted line and press hard three copies, right? I'm talking in the 80s. <laughs> um, so, so that's a big difference, but that kind of gave me the, the understanding that I can do it. I can, make, I can start my own business. I can be successful in business and I have to continue doing what I'm doing and that is being a relationship person and, and work with and keep on selling. Well, um, with that, I guess, is there anything that you've carried with you into running Barclay Street Real Estate? Um, I think that uh, the one thing that I carry with me all the time is, uh, you know, treat uh, your people the right way. And I hope I do. It's other people that can testify, but I think I do. It started with, with you know, with one secretary that um, she, when, when we separated, she said, no, 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 I'm staying with you because you treat me better than that, my, your partner and, um, and, and I like working with you. So for me, that was number one. Number two, um, there's one thing I always kind of carry with me from that time is always, always, always know the name of the receptionist and the secretary of the person you want to talk and always, always care about them more than just work. Ask them how is their family, how is their, how are their kids, is everything okay? Uh, that's a great door opener. <laughs> and I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you separated from your partner and you continued on as an insurance broker, how come you didn't grow your insurance brokerage? Um, how about uh, we'll take a commercial break right now? Are you ready for that? And then we'll answer. I'll answer the question after the uh, commercial break. I think that's fair. Okay, so uh, we're going to have our first commercial break. You're doing an awesome job, by the way, Cassandra. Thank you. Uh, and uh, please check our website at BarclayStreet.com. Check our, check our listings. Check our team, and we'll meet you here within a few minutes following the first commercial break.
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business with Cassandra Hansen. <laughs> I like it. It has a ring to it. I might just stick with it. <laughs> Am I fired? You might be. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back to the last question that we did have, it was in regards to why you didn't continue to grow your insurance brokerage. Well, I did grow it in the term of uh, clientele and the insurance uh, segments that I work with. Uh, I didn't take another partner. Um, I did want to kind of, you know, get a success by myself and I didn't find the right partner in that industry at the time and I wasn't looking too hard. Um, and, and during this kind of uh, period of two or three years uh, moving forward, I also found out that I don't like the insurance industry. And uh, so I was uh, looking for a way out at a certain point. That's why I didn't grow it. Uh, I just I did grow it. I did grow it with terms of clientele and, and new insurance. Uh, so I did fire, uh, life insurance, uh, health insurance, uh, everything but marine. 
Really? Yeah. So that's an extended book then. Yes. Um, after that, then I guess what ended up happening to your insurance book, all your clients and everybody? So I said earlier that I found that I, I got good clientele. So when I decided to sell my insurance book, um, I sold it within, I got three proposals within 24 hours after the word was out and I sold it within 48 hours later. Um, and part of the agreement was that I have to work a year with the uh, brokerage that I sent the uh, sorry sold the uh, my my book to, so I joined them, and as I said, I found out that I don't like insurance, so how um, I was extremely busy with with helping them. It was a bigger uh, brokerage than mine, and uh, but I was re- looking for the first way out. First way out. Yeah. The path of least resistance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you do after that then? Um, So that was mistake number two. Yeah. Um, uh, I I did leave without doing any due diligence. And um, I bought a a company with with a new partner that was my neighbor and I knew him very well. Uh, We bought a company that was doing uh, uh, paper supplies uh, cleaning supplies, uh, a lot of supplies for um, institutions and, and private. And I wanted out from the insurance so bad that I didn't do any due diligence. Uh, missed the biggest mistake of my life. So you essentially jumped into it without knowing anything about it? Not knowing anything about it, trusted my ability to sell, uh, had no clue uh, what the paper industry is, what the cleaning industry is. Um, and it was unfortunate, um, about six months after we, we joined, uh, my partner became very ill, um, had to go through a very, very complicated surgery and he was out. So within six months, everything fell on my shoulders. Um, and that was, uh, not a good thing. Um, the, the, the good thing we had is one of being an insurance guy, one of the, uh, uh, decisions I made when we opened the company was that we have to have a good insurance to cover us if something happens. So uh, that saved his family and him, and uh, that was a good thing. Good. Well, it's good to see that you were prepared for that. <laughs> um, but what was the biggest takeaway you got from the experience? As I said, the biggest takeaway is due diligence. Due diligence, due diligence, due diligence. Um, there's no, there are no shortcuts. We have a phrase in Hebrew that says shortcuts are written in blood, and I can tell you first, uh, you know, I can, I can testify for that. Uh, short, shortcuts are actually written in blood, and um, you know, whether you like and what, what you do or you don't like what you do, don't jump to the next one without exploring and, and without doing a thorough due diligence whether this is the thing you want to do and whether this is the, the salvation, let's put it this way, from what you don't like to do. Um, probably if I would have done a due diligence, we will never got, get to this business, we we'll never would have bought it. Um, I would stick to the insurance until I find something that I really think I, I enjoy and want to do and, and the, the numbers and, and the information that I gather through the due diligence is right. Um, so the biggest uh, takeaway is whatever you do, if you want to do a change or you want to buy something, due diligence is, is, is key. So after the paper and cleaning supplies, yeah. um, 
you ended up coming to Canada, I guess. Right? Yes, so, correct. New country, different language, culture, especially a business culture. Um, and then you decided to continue journeys as a business owner and entrepreneur. Did you have any hesitation or fear about coming here? Um, you know what? Zero. Uh, no. Um, well, you had the, the fear because we came here with my wife and, and three kids. So you have the fear of uh, how am I going to make money? But it's also a motivation, uh, motivating factor as well. Um, so... Um, my decision was to be a business owner here uh, from the get-go or soon after we get here. Um, it, t- it took me about a um, year and a half um, after I joined the company um, to become a, a part owner. And that was part of the process here. But my decision was that once we get here, once we get settled and I find a job, to spend about two years before I opened my business to see the difference in culture, to, do the, to see the difference in, in business, maybe a little bit improve my English. <laughs> uh, I feel that I, compared to 18 years ago, today I'm like Shakespeare. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, doing well. <laughs> so that was my decision. However, opportunity knocked on my door earlier with the restructure that the previous owner of this company had. So I jumped on that bandwagon and, uh, and, and became kind of a partner here. But I wanted to say one thing, you know, business is business and leadership and leadership, it's, it's no different. It's, uh, I found out it's no different here than in Israel where I come from. Um, you treat your people nice, you get the reward. You, you work hard, you get the reward. Um, yeah, maybe there are some nuances that are different, but overall, it's the same. Good to know. So I'm going to go to Israel and start my own business now. Good luck. <laughs> First, I need to learn the language, yeah. I guess. Um, so did you actually, this is my own question, kind of building off of that, but when you did come here and join the brokerage, did you know you wanted to work in real estate? Was that something that was your end goal? Um, it, it's a process. What happened here, this is a little bit of a personal story. Uh, when we got here, uh, the government lost my medical exam. So I had to do medical exams and send it back to Israel, then from Israel to Paris, get approval. So it, that took about 10, 11 months. So in that, those 10, 11 months, we were here on a tourist visa and I started traveling all over the city. And I told my wife, you know, real estate here is really, really, really cheap. I'm talking 1999, and it's growing like crazy. So I met two or three uh, real estate people, and I chatted with them, and they got me kind of, you know, excited about it. So I went on my own, and I did the real estate course, and I really enjoyed it. And I started kind of looking into it, and, and so I bought my first uh, investment, um, and um that was kind of the, the start. And then I joined uh, our company on um, Valentine's Day 2000. So you essentially fell into the role then. Yes. Nice. That's kind of cool, though. It's very rare that people have the chance to find what they're passionate about that way. I agree. But it, it, it is my passion. Real estate is my true passion. Good. Well, I'm glad I get to learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in 2001, with six other brokers, you bought the company from the founder and the previous owner. Um, how was that experience? 
It was a very interesting experience. Um, you know, um, we the the previous owner and the founder he wanted out. Uh, he wanted to kind of uh, change the course of his real estate uh, business, and um, so he approached uh, six guys in the office, six brokers, and offered them. and And, and one of them actually brought me. Uh, because none of them had an experience, uh, the experience of running a company, they they brought me in. Um, so from the get go, I was one of the what we call the aide, because the founder stayed for a, while, a couple of years as as a, as a shareholder as well. So we were eight equal partners, and um, you know we we did put a unanimous shareholder agreement together, and um, I brought it up as as a as a condition when we joined based on my experience. Um, and the first few years were a little bit kind of, uh, you know, a little bit, you try, you see who fits, who doesn't fit. Some people didn't feel comfortable being owners, even though they bought in and they wanted out. So we had a few moving pieces for the first few years. Um, and as we moved forward, forward, we started gelling. Uh, we did, uh, I, I think we had one mistake that, in hindsight, uh, we did is most of the decisions were by a committee meeting. A meeting, but the eight guys had to make a decision on almost everything, and that's you can't run a company with a committee. Um, uh, you have to choose the one or two, uh, three people that uh, uh, two may be of a problem if there is a tie, but you one or three that they run the day-to-day operation and the shareholders, they get once or twice a year a report. And if someone wants to replace that group, they, you know, they call a AGM and, or, and they replace. So that was a little bit of a problem for us uh, moving forward that everything was, uh, had to be made by a decision, uh, by a committee of every decision. So um, that was the, uh, but, but the good thing there, everybody is still here. Uh, everybody is still here, except for the guys did we didn't want. <laughs> well, that's good though. Then you can run smoothly, right? Yeah. Now you mentioned a unanimous shareholders agreement, and that you guys had one. Why is it so important to have that in place? Well, it's important for a few reasons. Um, the first reason is, um, for example, we had a situation that we had a cash call, which happens in a cycle of a business. And one of the uh, shareholders uh, didn't bring the money, his proportionate share of the cash call. Um, so, you know, we have the first cash call, then we had a second cash call, and again, he didn't br- bring his money. So the unanimous shareholders agreement states how you buy that person out or dilute their shares. If you don't have an agreement, it's fight and who said what and... The, the unanimous shareholders agreement is basically is a prenup. It helps you in bad times. In good times, everybody's happy. You know, you get the dividend checks. Everybody's smiling. You know, going spending it. But in bad times, another another uh, kind of example is um, it, remember I told you about my partner that got very sick and had to and left in after a very complicated sec, uh, uh, surgery. So it also sets up the. The, the the way you buy out uh, some uh, you know someone if someone has passed away a partner has passed away how you deal with the estate uh, if someone is uh, sick or or you know unable to work how you deal with that um, 
it has to do with someone who wants to resign as a shareholder, whether they go to a competition or not. So it's all kind of in the US, unanimous shareholder agreement. That's why it's very important for every partnership to have one. Good to know. Now, what about your mission, vision, purpose, and core values? Well, because <laughs> you talk about that a lot on the show with a I lot know. of the entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you hit uh, a very important uh, point. Um, we didn't have it when we bought the company. Uh, we didn't have it for many years. We didn't deal with it. We didn't do it. Um, as I said, we were uh, running everything by a committee, and um, our kind of uh, mission, vision statement, uh, purpose were not even discussed. I've learned more about it as I joined tech and the importance of it. And it was one of the things that uh, kind of stuck in my head. Um, and and uh, I was waiting for the right opportunity for us as, as, a, as a company to go through this process. Um, it's important because if, for example, if you picture a, a, a boat, right? People paddling different directions, right, same direction. Uh, you have to have people paddling in the same direction at the same pace. And basically the leader is the guy who sits there, the, the small guy at the front of the boat that you know gives the instruction or sh- sh- shouts, right? This is why you have the mission, vision, purpose. It, that's the internal part. The external part is this is the message you send to the public about why you do it, how you do it, and, and why people want to work with you. Um, I, I think those are crucial for every business in today's world, um, whether people like to spend the money and time in doing it or not. So this is why it's important for us. Good to know. <clears throat> um, also, I guess that plays off of it. Did you have a business plan? Because usually within a business plan, you do state your mission, core values, and your vision for the company itself. So... Um, Unfortunately, I can't answer this question now because we have to take our second commercial break, and our, and Aaron, our loyal engineer, will you know will shoot us angry emails if we don't take that uh, commercial break. So uh, I'll answer again after the commercial break. Uh, once again, check our website uh, www.barclaystreet.com or www.voiceamerica.com/variety, and we'll be here shortly after the commercial break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business with David Wallach and Cassandra Hansen today. So going back to the last question before the break, um, did you have a business, business plan? Um, so when we bought, once again, same thing as we, we didn't have mission, vision, and, and purpose and statement, and we didn't have a business plan. We just bought into, um, you know, the financial statements we got, we got a price, and we bought, and, and, and Bob's your uncle. We kind of continued forward. Um, the whole notion of uh, business plan um, started later when we restructured, um, or after my uh, tech experience, I started bringing to the office the, the, the necessity of business plan, not just for the company, but also for each and every individual broker, because if you look at brokerage, brokers basically are, they are silos of companies. They eat what they kill. So they have to be the marketing, the, 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 the salesperson, and, and that's why they need to have a business plan. So I brought it in way later. Yeah. Would you recommend doing it that way to anybody else if they were to ask? Uh, if you remember three weeks ago, <laughs> I started uh, our show when when it, when I said what is important for an uh, entrepreneur is, I said the first thing is have a business plan. So I think that answered. <laughs> I'm just testing you. <laughs> I, you know, even though I'm very old, I still remember what I said three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. So I can't pull the wool over your eyes then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, with the restructuring um, and then creating a mission and a vision and some core values for the team and then becoming a sole owner of the company, Barclay Street Real Estate, what processes did you take to create that? I guess even the cultural environment you have today. Yeah. So um, there are some things that were good with the old company. So we kept it. For example, we sit in a bullpen. We, we keep it. Uh, we like it. Uh, sometimes I feel that I want an office, uh, but I, I prefer the bullpen over a closed office. Um, the the, the stuff when we, yeah, I was a sole owner for a while. Now I have uh, a shareholder, uh, that uh, a partner that owns 11% uh, of the company and works with us then. But what we did 
did a process we did. I brought an outside facilitator in 2009, shortly after we uh, kind of restructured. And he went through a process with every employee of the company. So we had three meetings here. We kind of, we had about 30 employees. So we cut it to 11 or 12 people uh, in each meeting. And he spent half a day with those guys. They kind of put their core values uh, personally. Then they narrowed it to their group. Following that, we kind of chose a group of about, if I remember right, it was seven or eight people that represented those three groups. And uh, we went off-site uh, for half a day, and we came back with what we have uh, on the wall right now, which is leadership, professional standards, uh, success, and balance. So that's the process we did. Um, we, I'm looking now at refreshing those and maybe doing another process. Well, it's good because we live by them every single day here in the office. I hope so. <laughs> we try. We try. Um, now, you mentioned that you have a minor shareholder partner, Dan. How does it work with him? Um, Dan and my wife has a lot of in common. <laughs> and let me explain. Uh, they are very um, artistic, mm-hmm. which drives me nuts because yep. I am very grand, uh, down to earth. But that gives, uh, you know... That is the best thing that can happen to a guy like me because um, Dan can drive me nuts and I can drive him nuts and then we have a makeup coffee <laughs> and it's working very well because um, he thinks about stuff that I don't think about because he has a, like, if my wife Zora is 30,000 above uh, above us, he's about between twenty to 30,000 as well above me. Um, so he brings fresh ideas. He pushes me to to be better in what I do. Uh, he calls me sometimes for my accountability. I call him. Uh, it's tougher to call him because he's floating above us. It's like my wife, right? So I have sometimes to deal with that. But it's a perfect match because one of the things that I've learned in my you know journey as an entrepreneur: choose a partner that has all the things that you don't have. If you choose a partner that is like you, it's way cheaper to buy a mirror. (laughs) Buy a mirror, you don't have to split anything, and you know, look at the mirror and you'll be so happy every day. You don't have to have a mirror walking and talking to you because that makes you even angrier. Um, So Dan is the perfect example of someone that is exactly not what I am, but strives the same direction that I'm striving. Two different ways, and then we find the common ground. And at the end of the day, I make the final decision. Sometimes he's mad at me. Sometimes I, you know, I think he had the right idea, and then I'll and I'll take it from and I'll give it to him. And I give him credit every time that he gives me the right idea, and I don't take it to myself. That's one thing I learned from my first boss: is give the credit, don't take the credit. Good to know. So now that you've got such a good relationship with your partner, that kind of lets you take a look into the future and be able to see where Barclays Street could potentially be in five years. So um, here's something I'll share with you. I had, in the last few years, I had two offers to sell the company uh, from big international brokerages. And uh, in both cases, I decided not to sell. Um, I would have made way more money. Um, but there's one thing that, um, you know, the first time I, uh, I spoke about my wife being, you know, 
and and an artist and and having kind of different vision intuition than than I have. First time I was sitting at home and I really got a huge um, a great proposal. And I was sitting home with Zora and, and our middle son, Omri, and I said, well, maybe I should sell. And she goes, don't sell. Now, my wife and numbers do not go well together. And I show her the numbers, and she goes, I don't care. I've never seen you happier in your life. How do you put this into numbers, right? You can't. So we decided not, I decided not to sell. The second time was last year. And I thought about it long and hard, and I said, you know what? Two things. One is I like what we do. I like the company. I know people will get hurt if I do it. And in a city like ours, there's room for a strong privately owned brokerage and property management. Where do I see the future? I see myself start, I, I see myself selling some of my shares over time. I don't think that uh, by the age of 65, anyone should own shares in the company. The same structure as law firms and accounting firms. I can stay here and work as much as I want as a broker, but I shouldn't be the, the, the owner at a certain age because I have to give the opportunity to the next generation to buy in and to own, but I want to do it right. So it won't be run by a committee. It will be run by shareholders choosing a short, a small committee to run the day-to-day operations. So there's a chance for me to be an owner then. Yes. <laughs> Depends on the next question. <laughs> well, then I'll be nice. Um, now, as the owner of Barclay Street Real Estate, what do you see your main role? Like, what would you describe your main role as? Um, twofold. One is um, be a mentor as much as I can. So today, for example, um, today as a perfect example, we have a new hire that is starting today. Uh, and she's going to work with the uh, brokerage side or office leasing guys. Um, I didn't even interview her once. And we're not a big company. We're about 50 people. And um, so I have today... The structure of Berkeley today is such that uh, we have three people that basically, or four people, three and a half, that run the company. And I kind of, without being chairman of the board, I'm kind of uh, sitting above and, and trying to mentor each of one of them. And whether it's Dan Harmson running the brokers, whether it's Dion running the uh, property management, Tamara accounting, and Sarah kind of an office manager. I try not to get involved. I try to delegate. I try to sit with them and go, okay, and ask them questions, um, how they can do it better. Or I'm not telling, I'm not giving them their answers. I'm asking them questions. So what do you think about this? What do you think about that? They come with a problem and say, so what do you think you should, the right way to, to solve it? So this is, uh, my main is uh, that uh, this is kind of uh, what we have here is, is my main role is, is a mentorship and try to be also a rainmaker, bring more uh, business to the company. Good to know. So with all of that, you're involved in two boards as well um, and the major owner of Barclay Street Real Estate as well as the founder and general partner of Triumph Real Estate Investment Fund. So you do sound like you have a busy job description. (laughs) (laughs) How do you find time for balance? Uh, Well, that's a good question. I think every entrepreneur struggles with that. Um, So 
I try now to be better with my balance. Um, the first thing I did about uh, 10 years ago, I started working out. So I work out during the day uh, around lunchtime. I tried morning, I tried evening. My body didn't react <laughs> very well. Um, so that's part of my balance is the workout. So I do three times a week with a personal trainer. She hates me, by the way. <laughs> and then I try to do two, twice or three times with my wife uh, in a gym next uh, close to our house. Um, the other way, the other thing is I try now as much as I can on evenings and weekends to narrow my after hours in the office uh, as much as I can. So I'll spend probably half an hour to an hour in the evening at, at home and then be with my wife. And we're empty nesters now. So when I say with my wife, we have three kids uh, that are sp- spread all over North America. So uh, watch a movie, read, uh, uh, and then weekends the same. So we go together to different places and, you know, we, we, we work out together. And the, and the other thing that, my wife, I have to admit, this is my wife, you know, pushing me hard in the last year and a half is I started reading. And when I say reading, I do not read at night or on the weekend any business books. I read novels. I read uh, literature. And this is awesome. This, uh, it cleans my head. It clears my head. Um, and, and this is uh, really helps me find balance. Um and you know, maybe we should have uh, starting next week. Maybe we should recommend one book every week. We can have the Barclay Street Book Club. Exactly, <laughs> or the Voice America Taking Care of Business uh, Book Club. <laughs> I am so okay with that. I like that idea. Um, now, do you have any regrets um, or mistakes that you've made along the way throughout this journey? Uh, the one regret I have, which is as a result of the mistake is when um, when I le- when I left uh, the insurance industry and I bought into this uh, cleaning supply and paper supply company without doing any due diligence. Um, this really uh, hurt our, our family financially for a few years. Uh, we were able to get out of it. We were able to pay our debt uh, to the bank. To the, we don't owe any money so to anyone. We paid everything. But it, it was a big burden financially on our family for three or four years. The great thing that happened out of this, and that's thanks to, thank, a big thank to my uh, wife and kids, is it gelled us as a family. That uh, time as, you know, trying to make it with all the uh, financial hardship really, really gelled us as a family and as a couple. And we, as you know, we celebrated yesterday 33 years together. Yes, congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah, she's very lucky. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I think it's the other way around. You're very lucky. Uh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Remember in 10 days you have payday? payday. Uh, but really that was my only regret is, uh, is that I made a decision based on um, you know frustration and not based on knowledge well it's not easy to make that choice is it now with that I guess it has been a long journey for you were there any real concerns along the way you know, there's concern every day. Yeah. <laughs> there's concern to, to pay on time. There's a, uh, there's a concern that, uh, you know, when we go through a financial cycle, there's a concern. And, you know, as you know, uh, we went through a 
hard uh, financial cycle in Calgary and Alberta in the last two years. Uh, same was in 2009. Um, so those are concerns always. Then you have the, the personal concerns that, you know, uh, you also have a concern that people will leave the company. Um, you, you don't like to see people leave. You have the, the family concerns, you know, you have to go, you have to get three kids through school to see that they make them make it in life and, and make progress and you want them to, to be successful even more than you. So those are the concerns as, as, as you move forward. For sure. And so how do you measure your success then? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, for me, um, measuring the success is, first of all, is that uh, we have good retention of employees. Um, if you remember three weeks ago, I said that um, the, the one thing an entrepreneur has to, and every Every boss, every owner or CEO has to realize is your employees are your clients. Your coworkers are your clients. The way you treat them, that's how they will treat your uh, clientele, the company's clientele. So my, my measure of success is to see the loyalty of people and that they want to stay here. And if they leave, they leave for the right reason and not the wrong reason. And what I mean by this is they leave because they want to advance and there's, you know, in a small company, you have so much room to, to expand your horizon and to advance because there are, there's another person. So if they leave to um, not a competitor, but to another landlord or, or anybody or any other company that has to do with real estate or other run around real estate, but they got to promote themselves professionally, that's a good reason for them to leave. They're also ambassadors of the company. So I don't have a problem with that. So this is the number one uh, for me is, the other thing is how many signs we have on the street saying Barclay Street for lease, Barclay Street for, for sale. Um, those are the things that are important for me. And because this is my favorite question you ask everybody when they're on the show, um, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have lunch with two or three people dead or alive, who would they be? Um, I think that uh, the, the two people that I would like to get is uh, together for lunch, which will be tough, is my parents. It will be tough for two reasons. One, both of them passed away, and two, they got divorced in 1969. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would like to share with them what I, um, my family and I went through life and uh, to see uh, if they're proud of me now or not after I was the black sheep living university and not being a good student. <laughs> Cassandra, thanks. You did an awesome job. Thank you. Uh, we reached the end of our show uh, again thanks uh, Aaron uh, our loyal engineer and uh, we'll meet you here next week with our two guests Darwin and Lloyd two partners uh, of Pinnacle Wealth Brokers uh, and we'll see you in week time from today have a great week Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.